Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello. Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Kimchi, kombucha, sauerkraut, miso, and kefir, all fermented foods and drinks have been around for centuries, but suddenly they're all the rage, aren't they? The simple reason is that they are packed full of gut-healthy bacteria, and we are finally waking up to just how much the trillions of microorganisms that live in our guts contribute to our mental and physical health. Gut health is now strongly linked to our overall well-being, including weight management, energy, and stress. The thing is, unless you're fermenting foods for yourself, these products are not cheap. Yet at just £1.50 for a 350 gram pot of Yo Valley Kefir, this daily boost high in protein, low in fat and with natural and fruity flavours to choose from is in the yogurt aisle at all the major supermarkets. To find out more, head over to yovalley.co.uk. Hello and thank you so much for tuning in to Food for Thought, a podcast on a mission to equip you with all the evidence-based advice you need to live and breathe a healthy lifestyle. I'm Rhiannon Lambert, registered nutritionist, best-selling author of Renourish, A Simple Way to Eat Well, and founder of Retrition, London's leading private nutrition clinic. In each episode, I'll be joined by special guests, all of whom can be considered authoritative voices in health so that together we can learn fact from fiction and empower the healthiest and happiest versions of ourselves with trusted expert advice. Whether it's milk in your cereal, a delicious melted cheese toasty, or that unavoidable ice cream on holiday, many of us grew up on a diet laden with dairy and we continue to consume it regularly. In fact, it is estimated that the UK dairy industry alone is worth a staggering £28 billion, and it plays a vital role in our nation's food security. However, nowadays we are scrutinising the food we eat more than ever before, and dairy is often bashed for being supposedly fattening and detrimental to our health as well as the health of our planet. So, should we continue relying on dairy for our nutritional needs or is it time to, in fact, ditch dairy? Joining me today is Dr. Lee Breen, Associate Professor in Metabolic and Molecular Physiology at the University of Birmingham, whose special interest in dairy makes him perfectly positioned to sort fact from fiction. Hello, Lee. 
Thank you so much for coming in. Now, I've actually attended several of your lectures. I didn't go and say hello, and I should have done. Definitely could. <laughs> <laughs> but I saw you talk about this subject, and I think it's very important to mention before we kick off that we're taking ethics out. Just at the mm. beginning, we can obviously touch on this subject. And despite someone's stance on whether or not to consume dairy, the fact is it does contain a plethora of nutrients, doesn't it? In fact, Absolutely. Milk is described as one of the most nutritionally complete foods. Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, you'd have to go pretty far to find a product that's more nutrient-dense than milk. Uh, what I mean by nutrient density is the, the nutrients that are contained within milk far mm. outweigh its calorie cost Yeah, no, um, as well. So we've got things like uh, it's a rich source of protein, mm-hmm. which we know we need for healthy muscles and bones. Uh, also a source of calcium as well, healthy bones and teeth again. Yeah. Uh, and we've got things like potassium, phosphorus, which help play a role um, <clears throat> in energy metabolism, mm. breaking down our food, releasing the nutrients um, that we need as well, lowering blood, blood pressure, um, and also a host of important vitamins. So we've got vitamin B2, B5, B12, and they play an important role in things like helping uh, reduce how fatigued and tired we feel, um, supporting our immune system, our nervous system as well, mm. um, and healthy skin on top of that. So... Yeah, a really nutrient-dense product, and um, you'd have to go pretty far to beat dairy. No, I, I couldn't agree more, and I think um, also I think iodine is something that's often forgotten Absolutely, about yeah. and something we're talking about more now because it's very hard to get it elsewhere. Mm, yeah, um, a, a great number of individuals are iodine deficient as well. Um, mm. We know iodine is important in, in, important in supporting thyroid function, amongst other things as well. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really important source of source of iodine, which is deficient in, in a lot of children, teens, and, and old people as well. Yeah, it's quite worrying. And I think if if we look at the fact that also dairy milk contains a complete amino acid profile, Mm. so can we touch a little bit further on what that means? Yeah, sure. So there are 21 or 22 amino acids, depending on on who you speak to. Um, (laughs) Different books. Yeah, (laughs) indeed, yeah. Uh, Nine of those are essential or indispensable amino acids. And what that means is that we our bodies can't make those amino acids themselves. We require food intake in order to get these key these key nine uh, amino acids as well. So on a relative gram-for-gram gram basis, dairy is, is rich in all, all nine of those um, essential amino acids or indispensable uh, amino acids as well. Um, and in terms of quality, we know that dairy protein is, is extremely high as well. So mm. when I talk about protein quality, what I'm talking about is the essential amino acids contained within the product in the first place and also how efficiently those amino acids become available for all our bodily tissues. So when we've eaten the protein, how well we can digest and absorb it and how mm. those really important amino acids appear in our circulation. Oh, it, it is so important. I think protein's often just thought of for muscular growth. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Rather than everything else, like you've just said, every cell in our body requires mm-hmm. protein to um, to function. So we've mentioned the fact that it is an important... I think most people know dairy for children and, mm. and growth and development, but it's particularly known for things like deficiencies. We discussed earlier, 20% of youngsters are not getting enough B2. I've got mm-hmm. here in front of me 16% enough calcium, 20% enough iodine. What, what do you think is happening here? Mm. Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's really quite alarming. Um, I can only assume that some of the scare stories we see in the media around the, the potential harms of dairy um, are, are putting people off, off consuming, consuming the product. So yeah, as you mentioned, those statistics on on, on deficiencies of certain vitamins and calcium uh, in children are, are increasingly prevalent as well. Um, yeah. and, and I think, unfortunately, in the marketplace, there's a shift towards milk substitutes, which may be something we, we talk about yeah. in more depth later on. Yeah. Uh, and so I think people are now tr- trying to choosing to um, to replace dairy products with these these substitutes as well. So yeah, unfortunately, a lot of children are deficient, and we know that's a really key. The childhood and teenage years are a really key period where 
you do require sufficient protein and calcium um, and a whole host of vitamins due to the rapid rapid growth as well. Well, I think that's just it, rapid growth. And why are certain vitamins and minerals we've mentioned then so important for bone and muscle health? What are the conditions or problematic things that can happen to us? Mm, yeah, well, <clears throat> a big interest of mine is, is muscle health uh, across mm. the life course as well and the role that protein nutrition nutrition plays in that. Um, and from middle age onwards, we know that we, we experience this progressive loss of muscle mass. People lose muscle and they notice they start to get weaker um, as well. And obviously this increases the risk towards um, disability, frailty, and metabolic diseases like like type 2 diabetes mm. as well. So um, perhaps the most important constituent of, of dairy nutrition is, is the protein content, um, first of all, because as I mentioned before, it's, it's very high quality protein. Uh, this means that our muscles and, and other tissues and organs um, in the body can use this protein and these essential amino acids to essentially synthesize and, and build themselves again. So at any given time, all the tissues in our body are, are synthesizing and, and breaking down. Wow. Um, the idea is that through protein nutrition, we can increase the efficiency of the rate of that synthesis mm. um, so we always have healthy healthy levels of, of tissue mass i wish i could show our listeners the graph that you put up in your slides with the different protein synthesis the kind of little curves yeah, like, like the, the waves day. the peaks mm. the troughs and i think basically the more frequently you consume protein or in your snacks and your meals the mm. more likely you are to get the maximum benefits from that yeah i, I think so yeah so in, in response to consuming a protein-rich meal we know that the synthesis or the building of muscle protein starts to starts to increase. Mm. That's quite a transient response. It only lasts for several hours, um, which is why it's important to consume frequent protein-rich meals mm. throughout the day. Every four to five hours um, yeah. would probably be as long as you'd want to leave it as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very important as we age as well because we know that even older individuals who consume sufficient protein based on the daily targets or the daily requirements uh, that are set by set by our government, they tend to consume this protein in an uneven fashion as well, which means they get very little protein at breakfast, a moderate amount at lunch, with the vast majority of protein coming with, with the evening meal uh, as well. Always at dinner. I see this in my clinic all the time. I think dinners seem to be the best meal of the day for so many people. Mm. We just seem to neglect our morning and afternoon serving. I think so, yeah. I mean, people leading busy lives um, is, is one explanation for that. But in older age, there are issues that are around appetite regulation um, as well. So older people simply don't feel hungry as often no, uh, as of younger people. There are changes in the hormones that regulate appetite and satiety. And so getting enough and sufficient protein into older people um, in order to support their, their muscles and bones is, is, is problematic. It's fascinating. I think there's often, um, well, the condition we're referring to, sarcopenia, mm. with muscle loss. How common is that in the UK? Well, it's quite a contentious issue because it depends on which diagnostic criteria right. you, you go to. Okay. Um, but it's thought that in the UK at the moment, um, in terms of our over 65 population, uh, in excess of a million of our over 65 suffer from sarcopenia. Now, sarcopenia is, is diagnosed when muscle mass and muscle strength drop below certain cut-off threshold mm. points. So over a million um, over 65s at the moment. And, of course, the the, the the highest prevalence you see is in those individuals aged uh, 80 and over, i.e. The, the, the oldest old, as we often yeah. refer to them as, um, as well. So it's a, it's a highly prevalent condition. And given global population aging, it's only set to increase as well. Um, and in that regard, it's, it's very important we get the message out about consuming sufficient protein with every meal of the day in order mm. to support healthy levels of mm. muscle mass and reduce this, this disease condition. Well, of course. I think even osteoporosis as well is on the rise, and that's the condition of the breakdown of the bone bone mass density, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, so absolutely. We've got a real problem here in the UK, and I think it's very easy for us to say, oh, when you're older, you know, that, that'll happen then, not now. But mm. actually, the actions we take now 
can of course reduce the likelihood surely absolutely yeah so obviously exercise being the most important thing we can mm. uh, and habit we could adopt from a young age that helps to protect our, our muscles and our bones as as we age but yeah of course consuming healthy levels of protein nutrition with every meal uh, across the day is, is, is vitally important i mean we we start to see disturbances in the metabolic regulation of muscle uh, even at middle age as well. So already we start to see that things are on the decline um, with regards to muscle. So it's an extremely important point to try, try and intervene there as well. And, and yes, you're absolutely right in terms of um, the prevalence of, of osteoporosis, particularly high in, in older women. Mm. Um, but osteopenia, which is which is um, low levels of bone mass, is also highly prevalent in older men, um, men yeah. as well. And I think that's where, um, if you're going to look at the benefits of having a food group like dairy in your diet, of course mm. it, it it contains all the types of protein and nutrients you need, as we've discussed. So if we know dairy can play a role in health of our muscles and our bones, what about our brain health? Are there mm. any links there? Yeah, this is an emerging area over the last mm. 10 years, so the link between dairy nutrition and cognitive function or brain health as well. So there are studies um, from the world of nutritional epidemiology which looks at associations between between various nutrients and, and health uh, health conditions. And so... With regards to whether we can use nutritional epidemiology to, to set guidelines, we wouldn't really want to want to advise that. It's relatively low quality evidence, but nonetheless, it can reveal some interesting insights. And these nutritional epidemiology studies have revealed um, associations between the level of dairy intake and cognitive function as well. Similarly, mm. if you flip that, very very low levels of dairy intake have been associated with uh, increased risk. Uh, uh, poorer cognitive function, increased risk of conditions like dementia and Alzheimer's oh, disease. Oh, wow, so it can affect mm. our memory. Yeah, and following on from the epidemiology studies as well, there are an increasing number of randomised control trials, which is a stronger evidence base from which we can make recommendations. And again, these randomised control trials have started to suggest and provide interesting data to support the use of dairy for, for cognitive function as well. What we need now are clearer mechanisms. We don't know how uh, how it's working. Mm. So there are some interesting insights already, but we need to follow this up with mechanistic studies to find out what exactly it is in the dairy that supports cognitive function as we age. As with everything, we just need so much more research. <laughs> yes. We need more studies. And the money to do it as well. And the funding, <laughs> yeah, which is obviously very tough in this, this current climate. Mm. And I think in terms of like, you mentioned memory function, it's just so many other multi-levels that we just don't think about when it comes to consuming the diet that Absolutely. we consume. Perhaps the message back in the, was it the 1950s or 60s, where dairy was linked to gaining weight mm. and body fat yeah. didn't help. Um, <laughs> no. Because when consumed in moderation, we know that dairy is actually associated with, associated with heart health, isn't it? As Absolutely, well. yeah. So I think you were right back in the 50s and 60s, there was this idea that, that, that dairy was a, a significant contributor to, towards heart disease because of its saturated fat content mm. as well. However, in the decades since then, the link between saturated fat and heart disease has, has, has been questioned um, as well. So, uh, of course, as part of our healthy diet, we do need some saturated fat. That's important. So although mm. the onus is on consuming low fat sources of dairy, we do require some saturated fat to help, for example, with things like absorption of, of our vitamins um, as well. And you're absolutely right. Dairy nowadays has been associated with weight loss and, and, and improved weight management um, as well. I even read lower blood pressure as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So in, uh, we've got lower blood pressure improvements in cholesterol status um, as well. It's Again, there are some loop, some gaps here in terms of the mechanisms that control these things. We don't quite know what it is about dairy that helps with blood pressure, um, cholesterol and and, and uh, better heart health. Mm. But we're starting to get some indication that it may be the calcium content as well. 
Mm. Um, it could potentially be an indirect mechanism because we know that, as I mentioned, dairy helps to improve satiety and, and feelings of fullness. Mm. And so potentially a, a, a high protein, particularly dairy diet, um, could help people to avoid things like snacking uh, in between meals, for example. Yeah. And people have also started to look into the role of, of um other compounds located deep within the milk, uh, the dairy matrix, things like alpha-lactoglobulin. Um, I appreciate that's a relatively complex um, <laughs> You complex don't need to term. remember the name, everyone. But yeah, this is an important um, cool term. construct of the, of the milk matrix, which, which has been linked to things like improve, improved blood pressure as well, potentially through improving how our, how our arteries widen and, and constrict as well. Uh, and, and I guess the final mechanism people are really interested in uh, is a relatively new term, uh, bioactive peptides. This is mm. something that you may hear in the um, kind of various nutrition blogs and, and, mm. and whatnot. Um, but again, located deep within the dairy matrix are um, these bioactive peptides. Now, they're pretty hard to see, but once milk, uh, dairy products become digested enzymatically, these um, bioactive peptides are released, and they've been linked with all kinds of important properties, um, antioxidants being one, for example. Gosh, um, I'm completely geeking out. I love all of this information. <laughs> I love the idea of the dairy matrix. It's absolutely fascinating. Uh, I think a lot of listeners are probably thinking, though, if that's moderate dairy consumption, mm. what <clears throat> actually is a moderate level of dairy consumption, if we, we can give some kind of advice? Yeah, sure. So the, um, in the UK, uh, Public Health England and our, our government guidelines mm. um, suggest uh, or recommend intakes of two to three servings of dairy um, every single day. So as a a portion of our whole plate every day. Dairy intake is relatively small. It's, it's um, somewhere less than 10%. Mm. Um, and each serving, um, again, a moderate uh, moderate amount of dairy. So, for example, a 200 mil, milliliter glass of milk would be considered moderate. Yeah. Um, a single serving of yogurt, which is typically a, a 120 gram pot. Um, I could eat so or much a serving more than of that, cheese. Though, yeah. Well, I know, and I typically do as well. <laughs> um, I, I think that in terms of the guidelines... Um, in my opinion, that's a minimum amount that should be consumed, three servings uh, a mm. day. And again, the the, the emphasis um, with the current guidelines is to try and stick mainly to sources of, of low-fat dairy. But again, given the relatively shaky relationship between saturated fat um, and heart disease and the importance of some saturated fat in our diet, um, I, I think it's perfectly safe um, and from a health perspective for people to consume one to two servings of whole or full-fat dairy. Yeah. in a given day as well. The, the the issue is that with the guidelines, the government tell people to try and limit full fat or whole dairy products. And of course, if you tell somebody to limit, instantly the thinking is, well, it must be bad. I should omit, omit that component altogether. Mm. And of course, that's that's not the message that really should be, uh, should be out there. Oh, public health nutrition is so complex. And mm. just to explain, because I find this a lot actually when portraying any message about health or nutrition in the media, is that it's very, very difficult to do an individual approach on a mass level. I mean, everyone has different requirements. Absolutely. Everyone has different technically portion sizes each day. We don't want to overthink it. We don't want to underthink it. <laughs> just be aware, listeners, that I think the government do their best just to get the very minimum out there to advise you. Yes, I, I think gospel. so. It really becomes a bit clearer when we look at specialist or, or population. So we've already spoken a little bit about dairy nutrition and the importance of, of, of um, this, these nutrients in children. Mm. Um so below the age of five, full-fat whole dairy sources are recommended for children as a valuable source of additional nutrients and, and energy um, um, mm. for, for kids. Um, and also given the, the idea that higher protein intakes in older age have been associated with a greater retention of, of lean mass, muscle mass and strength, mm. um, we, we would also advise higher uh, intake of dairy beyond the age of, of 65 as well. 
Yeah, definitely. I think very, very good advice. I want to touch on what I think might be the kind of elephant in the room a little bit, which I think is the fact that we're now told that dairy is one of the dietary components that may have a detrimental impact on the planet. Um, And I have a whole separate episode on this podcast uh, dedicated to sustainability to cover this factor. But for those of us who consume dairy, how should we be adjusting our dairy consumption to account for sustainability? It can be very confusing (laughs) for Mm, people. uh, Absolutely, yeah. The the, the public message is... is, um is one that's very confusing and, and um, just recently has been quite demonising again against against dairy. My, my advice for people who consume dairy who are looking maybe to tailor their dairy intake to um, to account for sustainability and um, and climate change mm. um, would be they don't need to change at all. In my <laughs> and it's probably not the populist opinion, but again, we a little over a decade ago, the a research paper was put out and, and a message that uh, the agricultural sector contributed almost as much in terms of um, uh, um, greenhouse gas emissions sorry, the yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> as the transport sector, yeah. so all the exhaust fumes that, that our cars um, yeah. our cars produce. Um, and of course, that's quite a scary message. Um, we think that our cows are essentially killing, killing the planet. However, more contemporary statistics and, and results around this from, from very eminent climate scientists have actually shown that agriculture contributes only a very small percentage of our overall um, greenhouse gas emissions as well. And within that, livestock yes. is an even smaller relative proportion um, as well. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if we're, trying, we're, we're thinking about things we can do to, to save the planet, um, mm. cutting out dairy and, and meat consumption is, is wouldn't be the first port of call um, in my in my recommendation. I mean, turning off the light bulbs in your house would be um, a mm. greater way to, to, to contribute towards yeah. the, the health of the planet before you cut dairy out. Yeah. And a better way to look at it is, as I mentioned before, in terms of the nutrient density of dairy, if we factor that against its environmental impact and cost, we still have a product that is extremely, um, extremely useful for for population health right across the globe as well. So uh, I would say at the moment, based on the, on the government guidelines of three servings mm. of uh, dairy a I mean, day perhaps, we don't need to cut yeah perhaps most of the population if we're looking at things like red meat consumption and dairy if it's excessive that's where things do become problematic yeah. and I think potentially I mean I'm not an expert in the subject I love listening to your opinion we've had other opinions on that um, it's the overconsumption of anything really whereas actually if we do stick to the recommended amounts mm-hmm. that's, that's extremely beneficial yeah absolutely and I, and I, I would you know again qualify that statement by saying I'm not overtly um, you know, red meat and dairy and we have two to three um, vegetarian meals a week in my yeah, house as exactly. well and we, we again everything yeah. in moderation I think is, is, is the right message Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby. It's me Kiki Palmer Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. 
they supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. And I think that's very, very important that um, as I said at the beginning of the podcast, um, ethics, sustainability, nutritional fact. Mm. We're speaking about nutritional fact here that dairy is extremely nourishing. And for many food groups out there, perhaps access to different types of food is poor. Mm-hmm. Dairy is a cheap and affordable source of nutrition Absolutely. for so many that cannot access it. I mean, the BDA have suggested that even just reducing dairy consumption by 40% would have enough of a substantial impact on the planet. So actually just have a think about what we said and obviously make your own judgments yeah. but um a question i'd like to throw in would be about protein shakes hmm. before i go on to talking about dairy alternatives because i think there's a reason that perhaps the way type of protein shakes became very popular in the first place is that because of the benefits of dairy it's just so great mm-hmm. yeah yeah i absolutely agree um, because of the ben- benefits of dairy on, on- human health on a variety of tissues then yeah that's why protein shakes are, are fairly popular and, and okay. you know, I think the market is uh, is more diverse than ever in terms of the, the protein supplements you can get off the shelf of every uh, every supermarket now. I mean what are your thoughts as a health professional on these different types of whey protein shakes that are out there? Do you think they have a place in the diet? Is it just more convenient? Should we stick to eating the Greek yogurt? Yeah it, it's a great question and, and um, when we study the effects of various sources of protein on muscle mm. uh, and the influence of protein quality on, on our ability to, to build new muscle tissue it's quite a uh, it's quite a difficult topic to study so we at the moment we see no clear difference uh, between protein rich whole foods and and protein supplements uh, when we study these things over several hours and we look at their effects on muscle whey protein is typically uh, typically trumps mm. all of the sources yeah. but again that's a very limited time period of, of several hours and of course when we consume something like an isolated whey protein off the mm. shelf, what that doesn't include that dairy does is that whole um, rich blend of, of other really important nutrients. Yeah, and it's uh, taking well. all the fat out, I suppose. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. So you, you, they, they tend to be, I mean, we've got things like diet protein shakes now as well. So yeah. just the protein without any additional carbohydrate, fat, uh, or, and without any fortification with really important so that's vitamins. that's purely for muscle kind of development. Yeah, yeah, those, yeah. those things will be for individuals who are uh, looking to, to take care of their fatigue, mm. uh, f- their physique, sorry, keep their body fat relatively low and, and build lean, uh, lean muscle, yeah, yeah, yeah. as it were, as well. So my opinion at the moment is I, I always advise a, 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 a whole food approach to, to protein nutrition mm-hmm. across the day, yeah. um, if possible. But again, situations in older age, for example, where appetite becomes problematic, yeah. uh, protein supplements can become a convenient way of ensuring that sufficient protein is, is delivered yeah. to those muscles. So um, I, I, I always say take it on a case-by-case basis, but mm. if you can do it, then whole food is definitely the way to go. I think that's always the overarching message. And like you said, different groups of people, the elderly with access to food, convenience, people working very busy. Like There's so many factors to consider when it comes to nutrition. So when it comes to vegan alternatives to dairy, 
calorie then? How do they stack up nutritionally? And is there anything out there that's, you know, really beneficial? Um, in terms of the, the well, the, the protein content, it's mm-hmm. uh, they, they don't tend to stack up very well. So we have things like um, soy, almond, and, and rice milk. I mean, well, the first point is they probably shouldn't really be referred to as milk because uh, an almond doesn't well, lactate. They um, can't, can <laughs> it? Is that why they're spelled? I think they're spelled M Y L K because they can't technically be marketed. Oh, is that like, right? Yeah, M I L. Well, you've taught me something. There. Oh goodness! I, please don't <laughs> quote me on that. If anyone listening knows, please drop it in the um, right. the feedback. But I'm pretty sure marketing wise they can't say mm. m-i-l-k but okay. it is m-y ah. mm. well i'm a lot more accepting of that then uh, yeah even though it is quite deceptive <laughs> but still and when we compare them on a again on a gram for gram basis mm. we, we match them uh, typically the protein content is is all but non-existent um soy being the the um the one uh, non-animal based dairy alternative that does contain uh, a source of yes. protein and amino acids so so uh, soy based beverages um, do you can get the protein hit that you need um, mm-hmm. for your muscles and, and all of the tissues yeah. however what i would say about those soy based alternatives is they don't again contain all of the additional um, the nutrients that we need that are present in, yeah. in our dairy foods as well so plant based alternatives fortified with vitamins and, and minerals and other nutrients could be one way way forward. I mean, we need to think about more effective ways of of using our plant based alternatives because, again, this is a market that's that's on the rise at the moment. And I mean, right across the way from where we're speaking today, I, I can see two two vegan um, places to go for lunch afterwards as well. So this is clearly a booming market. Mm-hmm. It's a popular choice, as you mentioned. People's ethics and morals are leading them more towards. Well, I uh, believe the numbers um, have quadrupled of plant-based yeah. eaters in the UK now. Absolutely. So in order mm. to ensure that sufficient nutrients are consumed for whole body health, we need to look at what we can do uh, in terms of improving the composition of these alternatives. Mm, I couldn't agree more. And I, I think if anyone's looking at feeding their children dairy alternatives, it's very tricky because you have to be almost so clued up uh, nutritionally wise um, in order to make sure that what you're not going to be getting from that dairy, you're going to get elsewhere in your diet. And it's difficult. It, it really is difficult. I mean, we, yeah, it, it, is it, I get the question all the time, is it possible to, to have healthy levels of muscle mass um, as one ages and, and to support um, resistance training muscle mass gains as well on a plant-based diet? And of, and of course, it, it is, it is uh, possible to, yeah. to achieve that. What people who follow those types of diets need to try and do is ensure that the foods they consume are fortified with the additional mm. vitamins and nutrients that they need as well and also that the protein they consume um, contains as i mentioned before a full complement of those essential yeah. amino acids so typically our plant-based alternatives are deficient in one or, or, or several key amino acids yeah. as well and we want to make sure that we we get those mm. amino acids again because they support our cellular health and function. So like you said, soy is the most similar profile. And actually, for anyone that consumes dairy or doesn't consume dairy, looking at these athletes can be quite inspiring because you've got athletes that have a dairy-rich diet and you have athletes that don't. But remember, the ones that don't, like the famous um, <laughs> vegan athletes, I think it's Serena Williams vegan and some just very, very famous people. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always forget um, yeah, the, the names, the names and the headlines. Yeah, but... There's so many of them. Absolutely. I definitely wrote it down. But they have all the guidance in the world mm-hmm. to getting access to the information the healthiest um options out there i wrote an ebook on how to eat plant-based in january last year because the rise in veganuary was so big i was actually kind of concerned that no one was given any information Mm. about where to get these nutrients from yeah no absolutely i think it's a a huge problem so if you combine different sources of plant-based protein it's possible to meet your your essential Mm. amino acid needs so all your tissues are 
a healthy yeah. and, and, and turning over an appropriate rate. And with rate, reformulation but, of these products, what about sugar content? Is that something as well that is being yeah, looked at? Yeah, um, so there are two types of sugar in our dairy. There's obviously the um, the sugar that's a natural part of the dairy, which is, which is our lactose. Um, mm. Again, that some people are, have an intolerance to. Yes, yes. And of course, in, in milk-based or dairy-based products, we often get added sugars on top of our, our um, natural lactose yeah. um, as well. So there is a big government push from uh, 2015 to 2020. The goal is really to reduce uh, the mm. sugar content by 20% yeah. In, um, in well, in a whole host of different beverages, but that, uh, also including um, dairy products as well. So, yeah. um, again, things like our, our the, the protein shakes that you see from various um, companies on the shelves that with a little bit of dairy in there, but with added sugars to to enhance the flavour, mm. uh, um, the flavour profile as well. And also things like yogurts as well contain often a lot of additional sugars and sweeteners in order to increase palatability and, and yes. sales, no doubt. No, of course. Well, one last question from me before I move on to questions from our audience. So many people do fear dairy um, due to the fact they believe it contains things like pus, hormones, mm. antibiotics. Um, what is the truth on this? Well, in the UK, it's um, it's illegal to use uh, hormones to increase milk production um, as well. So I think in some countries that's still still part of the process mm. as well. So yeah, to, to, to inject or to introduce to cows synthetic versions of hormones to increase their milk production uh, is not a legal practice in the UK uh, under EU law. It's another great thing yeah. the EU does um, oh, for us as well. Yeah, anyway. Who knows the timing of this podcast and when it will be out and, and yeah, what's happening. And, and of course... You know, there are natural hormones uh, occurring in, in cows as well, and when we uh, when we collect their milk, there is the presence presence of hormones there as well. But when we consume dairy products, again, because a hormone essentially is a, is a protein, as we digest these proteins in our in our gut, our splanchnic region, a lot of that um, the, those hormones are essentially taken out, and so they don't ever really reach our circulation mm. to exert biological or physiological um, yeah. effects. Again, so I think it's uh, in terms of the hormones, it's it, it really isn't so much to worry about. And again, um, milk is batch tested to to yeah. um, look for the presence of these things as well. And there are set levels out there below which um, dairy needs to fall in order for it to be available for mass consumption. Yeah. And the question around antibiotics, of course, cows get sick um, uh, as well, and antibiotics will be used to treat uh, any sickness or illness in cows. But certainly in the UK, the practice is that those animals are isolated from. Um, from the rest of the herd and treated separately, and their milk is not um, is yeah. not used until uh, the presence of antibiotics is, is below uh, levels that are acceptable. Again, under EU law. Well, so, I read somewhere the UK um, that ninety nine percent of cow's milk is free of antibiotics. So yeah, it's, a good I, thing. it's extremely high. And again, I get where the scare stories come from because, of course, if you were consuming a hormone. Um, that was present in an animal. This this has been linked with um, all kinds of things like early puberty uh, in children as well and, and certain types of, of cancer. But as I mentioned, the presence of these hormones, if you were to actually test in, in a person's blood, is extremely low to, to non-existent. Yeah. yeah, no, that's good to know. Thank you so, so much. And I remember that in the UK, we're, we're very full. I don't know where you're listening from. I know we have lots of listeners in other countries. Mm-hmm. So um, just maybe check with your um, your government guidelines and your registered health professionals if you have any questions. Uh, so we have questions from our audience now for you. I don't believe you've seen these, so okay. I'm just going to put you on the spot <laughs> a little bit, Lee. Um, Marvin has said, does dairy make acne worse? I've heard mixed things. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm not a skin physiologist, but um, my, my understanding is if you read the reports from um, from, from Dairy UK and other, other dairy um, 
providers and, and institutes across across the UK and the EU, um, there's no strong evidence to, to link dairy consumption yeah. um, with, with acne as well. So if you have acne already, it won't make it more severe. Mm-hmm. If you don't have acne, you won't all of a sudden develop yeah. acne. If, you, if you've never been a dairy consumer and you, you take on this new dietary yeah. habit, it won't have harmful effects on your skin. If anything, as I mentioned before, the nutrients and the vitamins in dairy can, can support skin health as well. So there's really no link there. And okay. it's nothing to do with hormones or pus. Or no, like and, and only if you are <laughs> lactose intolerant will you experience severe effects in your body, physiological effects Absolutely, of having yeah. dairy. Indeed, yeah. Lactose intolerance, yes, you'll experience um, a, a little bit of discomfort as well. But again, certain dairy products are not necessarily that rich in lactose as well. So um, things like yogurts and certain cheeses don't necessarily have a high lactose content. Yeah. So beyond milk, there are other ways to, to try and get dairy into your diet. That's a very good point to make, actually, with the lactose. Um, Camilla has said, which cheese is best to eat from a nutritional perspective? Wow. Well, I'm a big <laughs> cheese fan. Uh, the cheese board at my house at Christmas is, uh, I think there's is, lots is of a cheese splendid fans. thing. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I guess it, it depends on your, your health goals. But again, if we're going on the government guidelines, so a, a protein-rich cheese with all the... the um, vitamins and the additional nutrients that we need for whole body health um, steering towards a low fat option if if um, weight management was, mm-hmm. was something to consider um, then things like low fat cottage cheese and quark mm-hmm. are, are fantastic sources of cheese as well they tend to be a little bit lower in fat but they have all the all the protein content and, and other nutrients you would need as well okay. uh, again if you're looking for something that you would class as a little more indulgent or a, at tasty. least a source yeah tasty <laughs> is, is, yeah i think you and i view it as tasty a way to get that satur- important saturated fat into your diet um yeah then something like a, a gloucestershire cheese or uh, yeah um, would be a way to do that lovely great question there um joey has said my five-year-old son doesn't like water but will drink milk is drinking oh, oh dear is drinking milk better than nothing or should i be limiting his intake wow that's a really um <clears throat> yeah an unusual question i've never mm. come across that one before um so i i, I don't think there's any need uh, there's certainly no evidence to suggest that the very high dairy intake that, that um, this child is consuming would be mm. would be of any harm at the moment but again it it does fall outside these government guidelines mm. even for children who need slightly more dairy to support their support mm. their growth yeah. as well again it would all depend on the type of milk being consumed as well but five-year-old obviously is right on the cusp of the point where you might start to introduce lower fat uh, milk so you are skimmed or semi-skimmed options as well so i'm assuming from the question this is whole milk um, yeah, well, I'd assume so. He hasn't specified. I would be a bit concerned, Jerry, about hydration there, if yeah. not drinking any water. Um, but no, l- likely you said you don't need to limit the milk. Just make sure that your son's adequately hydrated Yeah, somehow. I think that's right. I mean, without knowing the amounts we're talking about mm. here, the volumes, it, it, it it's a little alarming that, yeah, milk it would be the only thing to, to drink. So yeah. in terms of, uh, yeah, I would certainly want to introduce some water or a, another um Another type of Even maybe liquid squash beverage, squ- or a little bit of squash is fine. Yeah, yeah, sugar-free squash would be great. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. actually, it leads us on to the next question. The last one. Kelly has said, "What is best, skimmed milk, semi-skimmed, or full fat?" Wow. Again, uh, <laughs> in terms of the the difference between um, between let, let's take um, let's take whole fat and semi-skimmed as, as mm-hmm. an example. The difference really lies mainly in the saturated fat content in terms of the additional nutrients the calcium the phosphorus uh, potassium that's contained in there there's not really an awful lot of difference uh, as well i think whole milk might have slightly more vitamin a in there but again um not at the levels where you would if you stuck to one milk you would become vitamin a deficient uh, mm. for example mm. so i think if we're talking about weight maintenance here um and again going with the government guidelines of a a source of dairy airing towards the 
the, the lower fat side, then your semi-skimmed or your skim would probably be the way the way to go if you consumed two or three servings of that, okay. that a day um, as well. But mm. yeah, it, it, it shouldn't be too harmful to consume the whole milk as well on okay. one occasion. There you go. Now we now move on to the fact or fiction round of the podcast. Okay. Okay. I didn't Just, see this one coming. No. Nope. <laughs> so to spring this on you, um, if you could kindly answer fact or fiction, I know I appreciate it's always hard for an academic to do this kind of question, <laughs> um, to the following questions. Okay. Are you ready? Fact, yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Good start. Okay, dairy makes us fat. Fiction. Milk contains sugar. Fact. Skimmed milk is the healthiest type. Um, fiction. Uh, dairy can cause cancer. Fiction. Organic milk is healthier than non-organic. Fiction. Plant-based milks have less nutrition than dairy. Fact. Most people can't digest lactose. Fiction. Dairy triggers acne. Fiction. Dairy intolerances are commonplace. Fact. Ah. Well, I mean, they are commonly reported place, but but I think the reality is close to fiction. Okay. (laughs) We should ditch dairy. Oh, absolutely fiction. There we go. That was actually the most concise fact or fiction round we've ever Is that had. Right? Yeah. Well, I thought I had to stick very rigidly you to did it. I would really have, well. I could have elaborated on a few. Can you elaborate there. on all, the organic thing? I think people have this big phobia that unless everything is organic with dairy, it's just not good for them. Yeah. Again, to, to the best of my knowledge, the main difference between you know, organic and non-organic milks really is the is the way um, the way the cows are reared. And mm. So we're talking about the the absence of fertilizers and potentially other. Uh, other harmful chemicals as well in that, in that production, but again, important to note that these chemicals don't m- somehow make their way in, in, into the milk that we consume as well. But in terms of the nutrient content of the milk, which is really what you and I are talking about mm. today, there's not an awful lot of difference between the two. Of course, um, with organic uh, organic milk, um, the increased risk of um, a potentially adverse reaction yeah. um, because it's obviously not undergone the same uh, the same processing as as um, as non-organic products uh, increases as well so that's another another point to consider but nutritionally there's there's not an awful lot of difference between those two forms there you go great question so that nearly wraps up the entire episode but as with every guest we finish with a food for thought so mine today would be that there are so many benefits associated with consuming dairy and these include less well-known benefits like lee has explained today relating to heart health and brain health which i found fascinating as well as the ability to aid healthy bone and muscle health Ultimately, when consumed in moderation, remember we discussed this with the Eat Well plate and what moderation is, dairy can be a really useful source of nutrients for many people, including protein, calcium and phosphorus, amongst so many others. However, we also need to be mindful of the impact dairy may have on the planet and relying on dairy for a proportion of your nutrition needs whilst taking the opportunity to seek nutrition from a range of non-dairy sources too can help the planet as well as increase the diversity of your diet and maybe even help your gut health too. So I think the overarching message is do what works for you but just be conscious about it. Um, If I could ask you, Lee, to leave our listeners with anything that you think may benefit them one food for thought what would that be probably the same message i always finish most of my talks with which is that um <clears throat> the dietary protein recommendations for our, our public that's that's all adults age 19 and over 
um, are set at 0.8 grams per kilo of body mass a day. And it's thought that that's um, way below the target we actually need to try try and get to as well. So our protein recommendations from, from um, our government are quite low. So my food for thought really would be to try and find ways to increase your protein intake at all meals um, throughout the day as well, aiming for somewhere around about 50% um, beyond the current guidelines. Brilliant. Lee, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge and coming on the podcast today. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to what is the last episode of Series 5 of Food for Thought. Having explored so many topics over the past 12 weeks, I really hope you've learned how our bodies really are as unique as our personalities. So each of us should strive to find a way of living and a healthy lifestyle that works for us individually. Your five-star ratings and your positive reviews, all the suggestions have been simply amazing to read. And if you are keen for Series 6, guys, of Food for Thought, then please do subscribe so that we can reach even higher highs in the charts and help more people to make informed choices about their health and well-being. For more information about my nutrition clinic, the books, healthy recipes, events, retreats, and so much more, please visit retrition.com. You can also follow me on at retrition on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.